0: Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. And we are live. Hey guys, this is Ruben Dua from Dub's podcast, Connection Loop. I'm going to put my phone on privacy mode. So I'm not obnoxiously rude here, <laughs> Carrie. thank you so much for joining on this podcast. This podcast is all about actionable advice for small, medium-sized businesses, enterprise ones as well. In fact, so many of our larger companies are starting to think like founders, like entrepreneurs, like hustlers. So this podcast is going to be all about turning the high, the side hustle into something much bigger than a side gig. So Kerry, uh, if you just could give us a, a little short bio, and then let's get into the topic.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Ruben, and shout out to the listeners today. Um, my background I actually studied sociology and women's studies. I went into teaching, so really no business background and okay. you know, not a lengthy resume. Um, but at 22, I got into the game of side hustling and took my nine to five, hit the job market really hard, but then in my evenings and weekends, really built out a couple side hustles. Uh, To the point where in my mid-20s, I was able to make that conversion from um, full-time employee to, you know, full-time business owner, which was quite a big victory. So at that point, uh, my husband and I, we also started an educational company. Um, So we built out a number of different businesses at this point, do a lot of coaching, consulting. And the last couple years, we've really segued and started a nonprofit, which was the biggest vision is just like, how do we create the most impact? And we wrote our first book, which will be out June 8th, as well as starting a podcast this month. So we got a lot of good irons in the fire and just a lot of like the bigger passion pursuits that have been fun to explore now after we've scaled things. So, Mm.
0: Yeah, so many people talk about this idea that it's the the best and, and in fact the easiest time to start a business because of all the technology that we have. You know, I feel like the thing that holds people back on... A, starting the side hustle and then going to a larger full hustle is is confidence. It's actually fear that we face where we're not good enough. We can't can't get over the hurdles. We're not gonna be successful. We're gonna get fired. uh, It's gonna be embarrassing. People are gonna get confused. The list goes on of objections, and you know what were what would you say some of the things that you went through were in terms of your ability to say you know what I'm gonna actually start going from nine to five and then five to midnight.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it it was a grind for sure, and I would agree with that. I would say I had very little confidence in the business sector. Mm -hmm. I mean, my self image in other areas was extremely high. Put me in the business environment at 22, extremely low. So that was an area I had to had to grow. And and I would say the biggest tip that helped me was that I I just had a deep belief in my ability to learn and grow. And everything is a skill set. So if you're willing to think of yourself as a learner and really position yourself as a learner, I mean you can learn anything. It's just do you have the deeper belief that you're capable and willing to do that, right?
0: Hmm. Well, I was the other day. Uh, one of the developers on my team wanted to learn about a tech skill set, Kubernetes, which is really technical and deep. And I started to think to myself, it's like, hey, listen, how can you get yourself educated? What are some of the courses that you can do? How can you? Um, get some trainings. So we did a quick Google search, and we found this course on Udemy.com that yeah. was nine dollars and ninety nine cents on sale from thirty nine dollars. That was like the full course. It was like a twelve hour course or something. And I was thinking to myself that that's a semester, you know, right. twelve hours of education could be a semester. And just to think that it was ten bucks to learn a new skill set that that can make money, you know, and like livelihood. And I feel like this this idea of education being democratized and all around us is has never been more true. We just it just takes that first Google search, the purchase and then or or the free stuff because everything is free and then actually getting through the course. So how would you say you got over the learning curve of going through that personal enrichment, the growth process, the learning process, in fact?
1: I mean, I was really willing to just go and do action and fail. And a lot of times people, they have the ability, but maybe they only have 80% of the information and they think, oh, that 20%, I need to know everything before I can do anything. And in most industries, unless you're like a neurosurgeon, just isn't really the case. So being willing to swing the bat and really mess some things up I mean, I feel like in my 20s, I threw mud at the wall and figured out what stuck and just kept running with what worked. And I also accessed some very successful people. So a lot of what our book talks about is is less about the what and way more about the who. Who's your association, your community, your mentor, your coach, and how are you actually accessing people who've already created the results that you're looking to create and tapping into that thought process pretty hard.
0: mm. Now, there's something that, that strikes me when I talk to you, which is this idea of the value of people coming outside of the quote-unquote business world. And the reason why I say that is because I'm a product of business school. Okay. And uh, yeah, and, and the being the product, and I say that almost tongue-in-cheek because the the problem with business schools is that you can't really learn business. I mean, you can learn accounting you can learn finance mm-hmm. you can't really learn marketing and entrepreneurship and and hustle and my ultimate irony is that i have a, a graduate degree in entrepreneurship which which is basically an oxymoron <laughs> <laughs> and and the reason why i say this is because I continue to see how valuable it is for people to come you know outside of the business world and then bring new perspective with you and education and sociology you know that's so valuable with your with your interpersonal skills with your eq with your ability to look at the world differently um, how valuable is that and then of course now with your confidence and your content your contribution with your book and your trainings and and everything that you do it's it's not just valuable for you in your career but it's also valuable for for your followers Um, what would you say that process was like for you to go from business outsider to now business owner and influencer
1: Yeah, well, you know, when you're sharing, you know, getting your business degree and all that, one of the biggest victories for me a couple years ago was getting asked to go back to University of Wisconsin-Madison, which is where I studied. I got my liberal studies degrees there, but I was asked by the business school to come in and speak to a number of graduate students. On entrepreneurship and leadership. And it was, you know, walking into that business school, which was a building I would have felt so uncomfortable being in, Mm. in my early 20s in college, and just being able to go in there and just share my experience not having a business degree, or formal training. I mean, that was just a really empowering moment and a good realization, I think, not even just for me, but for other people. It's like, degrees can help in a lot of ways. But if you want to be an entrepreneur, like you said, there's more than enough content and people out there that uh, people can get a really neat start in the arena and, and create a lot of success. So
0: now here's my question for you on that front. Um, as you entered that building to go speak at the university that you graduated from, were you feeling imposter syndrome? Were you feeling like, what the heck am I doing here? Do I deserve to be here? What was that? What was that feeling that was going through your mind?
1: No, it felt awesome. It felt like, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't go to business school, but you know, was able to walk out of my career in my 20s and be a full time entrepreneur, scale multiple companies. It felt like very rewarding just yeah. seeing the full scale of, you know, what a liberal studies major was able to do with the help and support of, you know, different association and, and coaching. So I think it was a really, really cool feeling.
0: I the reason why I ask is because the first time I was called to my university to give a talk, um I felt imposter syndrome like crazy. I was like, Wow, what am I doing here? I'm supposed to have a backpack on me, not this not this like laptop case. I was like, What's going on here? This is crazy. And I remember going into the students, and i the the only way that I could resolve this was just being, being fully transparent about how I felt was like, hey, le- hey, guys, listen, I, I don't really deserve to be here. There's a couple of technical things that I can share with you, and a couple of tri- tips and tricks that I've learned along the way, and that's going to be my starting point. But I'm going to need your guys' help to uh, to build my confidence up, and that was a whole, awesome. whole, whole catalyst story for kind of like public speaking. Because public speaking is one of the scariest things ever for people. Mm -hmm. You know, what do you say to people that, that have a fear of public speaking? I asked this with your LinkedIn profile, you know, on my other monitor here, and I see you on a lovely stage here in front of a podium that's about to give a great talk, I'm sure. And what has that process been like for you? And what are some things that we should all learn as public speakers, either in a virtual environment with hundreds of people on the other side, or, you know, on, on a stage?
1: Yeah, well, and and to back up, you know, my background as a public speaker in college, I had a communications and speech class and I got a B. So I wouldn't say that that was a real skill or talent coming into entrepreneurship. But yeah, I mean, annually, we probably speak to 20 to 30,000 people, especially pre-COVID when we were actually out on stages and everything. So it's become a real passion, but it's something I absolutely had to grow into. And Initially, like you said, imposter syndrome, I'm sure there was many times where I felt, you know, like I was in, in way too deep and not really qualified to be sharing. but I what I did is just get in an environment and there's so many different environments. You could attend Toastmasters, you can find another local organization. Now you can find virtual organizations to just really refine and practice your public speaking. And that's what I did is week after week, I would get in environments and speak for maybe five minutes on a topic and really assess and get very manual with trying to get better. And just using that repetition as the biggest skill developer. And then just doing the work because if someone's actively doing the work, it's like, Ruben, do do you play any sports or did you play any sports?
0: Uh, Tennis and basketball.
1: Oh, nice. Those are my sports too. So if I asked you about, Tennis and your favorite players, and you know you could just like candidly share about it. But it's mm-hmm. all of a sudden we get in our head when we're, you know, speaking to a lot of different people. But if it's something that's you've lived, that's a very different process than like putting up a PowerPoint and trying to teach something you don't know and haven't done right.
0: Hmm. Yeah. But
1: what was very cool is LinkedIn. You know, I had done all this major in-person public speaking, and then I jumped on LinkedIn, and somehow I just felt so paralyzed by fear to just do like a selfie video for a minute. And it took me a number of months to really get in the headspace of like, I'm just going to do this and I'm going to figure out a new slant on public speaking. And, um, you know, I did it and I haven't really looked back since, but that was very uncomfortable for sure.
0: Mm. And I think one of the other things that's slightly unconventional or maybe conventional now is that you're a husband wife team, in fact, for your business. And uh, one of the gestures that I think of quite often, um, at least what what people tell me, you know, when they do work with their spouse is that they spend a lot of times with their hands clasped like this around the other person's neck in a kind of a jolting motion back and forth while squeezing and, and delivering uh, death death threats. I kid, uh, what is it like for you to, to work with your husband? In fact, I see this Gorgeous picture of you guys on a tandem bike, which is just adorable as hell. So, so, talk to talk to me about that process.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is incredibly rewarding. It's extremely rewarding. It's also really challenging in its own mm. ways. And Craig and I, we have a lot of differences. Like we're very opposite in certain ways. He was a finance and risk analyst. Um, we say I'm more of like a world traveling. And you're
0: and you're a risk taker. <laughs> yes,
1: absolutely, you're a big kind of risk taker. And so we've had to navigate that, but we've been married for 12 years, so we've had a strong learning curve. The other thing, though, that a lot of people don't think about is we actually have a lot of the same strengths. Mm. We're both achiever-type personalities, so there's also huge gaps that we've had to figure out. How do we cover those when we're both actually really good at a lot of the same things? So Mm. I think just being open to learning and sitting on the same side of the table as one another versus I think in marriage as well as business sometimes it's easy to feel like you're on the other side of a table from somebody especially when you're both more type a and um achievers so we've we've learned a lot and we've grown a lot together and we've been humbled a lot and as much as it's been fun to succeed together it's also been very powerful to fail together and we've failed many 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 times in our journey We've missed more goals than we've ever hit and that's part of the game so it's been a unifying experience as well
0: mm, but you're, but you're taking those hits and I think that's what, what the important part is right
1: yeah absolutely
0: yeah so what would you say the the biggest problem that you guys are solving right now is for for your clients?
1: So, you know, being on LinkedIn, one thing that's been abundantly clear is that there's a lot of content and you spoke to that, right? Like there's a lot of free content out in the world, a lot of it on entrepreneurship. But what we found is that very little is customized specifically for side hustlers on how to actually scale something while maintaining a job, a full time potentially a high paying job. And so the problem that we're solving is really giving people access through our book and through our trainings on how to actually navigate keeping both ships afloat while while scaling the business side of things.
0: Yeah, and I I can definitely speak to that cuz I've I've been through that process and it's challenging, you know, it's challenging especially if you're doing it with other responsibilities. If you are married, if you have kids, if you have a mortgage, right, <laughs> the, the list goes on, the list goes on and everyone has their own unique situation. And, um, you know, there's, there's always a reason why you can't do it. There's always, you know, I I, ha- I can't, I don't have enough time in the day or, you know, I, I have to eat or I have to work out. I have to see my family. I have to take care of my kids. That, that list goes on, you know? So, when it comes to sacrifice, what what are some of the things that you that you coach people on in term in terms of how how to embrace this idea of sacrifice? Prolonging vacations, yeah. Prolonging meaningful family time, not seeing friends and friends and family, being construed as you know antisocial. How do you work through some of those things?
1: Well, I think it's a balancing act. You know, I never tell someone don't do anything that's fun. In fact fun is one of my biggest values in life. It's not Craig. So again, that's where the fun comes in is trying to navigate that. But I think having some type of balance in life is really important and having like a healthy foundation, but absolutely there's going to be sacrifices and you get it, Ruben. I mean, there's, I wasn't at every happy hour through my twenties. I was at very few and what I really work to instill in people is that they actually have a deeper belief that whatever they're willing to delay, they're gonna create an abundance. And I could give examples for myself. I'm a huge music person. Like going to concerts and festivals in my early 20s was like where I invested my time, money, and energy. But being willing to forego some of that so that I could get front row tickets and sit in, you know, the VIP section and and really do things tenfold on a different scale if I was willing to just curtail and delay things a little bit. And, you know, people have to be up for that. You can't force someone to be willing to make delays and sacrifices. But I think you can give an example. And by showing results and helping people just instill that greater belief that like, it'll come in abundance if they're willing to keep their head down and stay focused.
0: Yeah, so I want to ask a couple of um, really serious business-focused questions. But before I do that, I want to talk about music, okay? Because I'm I'm really big into music. (laughs) In fact, I'm surrounded by musical instruments here in my little office. Yes, Guitars and a drum set opposite me, and the list goes on. A couple of questions. Number one is, what's the first uh, concert that you've been to? The
1: first concert that I went to? Well, the first festival I went to, and I was very young, um, was Lilith Fair. I don't okay. know if you remember that. It was like an all female centered
0: Okay. Do you remember the headlining act?
1: Well, Sarah McLaughlin was there. Nice yep just a lot of amazing female artists from back in the 90s yeah
0: that's very cool that was great have you heard of uh frente i'm like an old school frente fan <laughs>
1: frente. no how do you spell that
0: uh f-r-e-n-t-e yeah you Ooh. should check you should yeah, check her out totally she's, well. she's great uh uh next question is what is your favorite band or who is your favorite band or artist
1: red hot chili peppers for sure
0: got it got it i've seen them live many a time at uh coachella and although i've never seen them just wearing socks that's that's um, maybe i'm glad glad about that but um my my connection to red Hot chili peppers goes back to one of their earliest albums um true men don't kill coyotes which was well before mother's milk and blood sugar Sex." Yeah, so, yeah. so i'm an old, old school fan as well very that. cool awesome. yeah yeah very cool um One of the things that I wanted to to talk about was this idea of being stuck and turning being stuck into a learning opportunity. Mm -hmm. I recently had an exchange, an interaction with someone who felt like they were stuck, okay? It's someone that was helping me to a certain extent um, and uh, they felt like they were in prison because they couldn't go out and they couldn't socialize and because of the nature of their work they were not put in a position where they could do that they had to quarantine right Mm -hmm. they had to be stuck and I continued to pitch this idea of turning being stuck and being stuck in a quarantine situation into forced learning forced I'm gonna figure out how to do my side hustle and I feel like I'm surrounded by a lot of people that feel like they're stuck and all they're doing is wallowing in sadness and saying, I can't get out, I can't see people, I can't go date, I can't go do these things and have fun. And meanwhile, I'm like, well, isn't this like the best time ever to just put your head down and just get over that stuff and go build a skill set, build a side hustle? You know, what do you say to people to to actually lean in to our situation right now and to say, you know what, make the best and turn this into a blessing, not a curse?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you hit on such a common experience. You know, we coach a lot of people, and I've seen most of them feel that feeling at some point over the last nine, 10 months. And my biggest suggestion for those folks is change the script. Change up the script. And I'm not saying, like, jump side hustles, go to the next shiny big thing, but change some element of what you're doing day to day so that it feels re-energizing, and that it just feels different.
0: And talk to me about that. What does that look like? Give me, give me something kind of actionable to run with here.
1: Well, let's say somebody's really anchored in LinkedIn and they're doing a lot on LinkedIn. They're not getting a lot of traction and they're just really in a, a lull and they're not, they're not feeling excited or energized around it. Now, first off, you don't have to feel excited and energized around things to keep doing them and be consistent. But if you feel like you're at that really hard phase, I would say switch it up. Try some things on TikTok. Try some things on Instagram. Maybe you don't fully dump ship from LinkedIn, but you start exploring some other mediums so that there's just some freshness and newness, and there's change. Because by nature, if someone isn't energized around doing something, they're likely not going to do it. And what's powerful is maybe you learn some new things on those other platforms and you can bring it back to the LinkedIn space and start um, implementing some different areas that you weren't familiar with or you, you didn't have expertise around before. So, I mean, we could give a lot of examples that are very industry specific, but more generally, just like literally making some small changes so that things feel different.
0: Now, one of the the pieces of inspiration that I get from you and your kind of general vibe is your family. You know, mm-hmm. you incorporate your family into so much of your branding. I see shots of of you and your husband, of your kids, of your are documenting your life, you know? And I think that that's really powerful because it really allows people to to connect with you on a, on a level that is kind of difficult to accomplish for a lot of people you know was that always natural for you to to share family life in your in your social linkedin and beyond or did that take some time getting used to what was that process like
1: yeah i I like that question i mean my family has always very naturally been front and center in my life but even having a public profile on social media would like keep me awake at night ruben So by nature, I actually am more of a private person, but it sort of felt like if I'm on social and I'm not really showing people who I am and what we're about, we're actually doing ourselves a disservice. And our entrepreneurial pursuits are in so many ways what freed us up to have the time with our kids. And I think that's what we like to to share and instill and give people that belief that like whatever that bigger vision is, whether it's time with their family or traveling or you know philanthropy whatever it is like figure out a way to tie your business goals and your side hustle goals to creating more abundance in those areas and so yeah it's very very central to our brand really why we have done what we've done and the real benefits of, of what we've created too
0: mm. very cool you know i think this type of confidence um and transparency it, it really it really culminates and i think it's very important in a lot of aspects of our life um, we, as a company, as a software company, what we enable people to do is to, is to send video messages through LinkedIn and through Gmail and SMS and, um, campaigns and whatnot. And I think what we've learned on our journey is, is the importance of confidence of the importance of just creating authentic videos. Um, you know, as I, as I sit here on this call with you, uh, someone just by the name of Josh just sent me this video, this dub video through our LinkedIn extension and you know I see these types of videos a lot and it's always inspiring to 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 feel and to hear people's authentic voices leaning into their lives sharing information about what they're passionate about and how they can potentially help us for business or just a quick quick update um, how can you teach us to to be more confident with with our lives and what's going on behind that webcam on the other side of of the smartphone that on which we're recording?
1: Yeah, I mean, what's so powerful about public speaking as well as content creation is people really do want to know you, and people can can sense authenticity in so many different ways. But I, I've just seen a lot of people put out sort of the highlight reel. And to some extent, I think that's really powerful and people do want to see that, but I think people connect more deeply and are actually more empowered by the realness and the hard things and the awkwardness and just some of the real life humanity that we all experience. And so I really work to incorporate some of that in in what we put out. And and again, I just want people to get to know the real me versus just like my delegate.
0: (laughs) Right, right. Um, that makes sense. What, uh, where can people find you? Website, social handles.
1: Yeah. So I'm on Instagram, um, at Carrie Boleg. Uh, We've got a website, tandemconsulting.co. I show up on LinkedIn quite a bit. So any of those mediums would be an awesome way to find us. And we started our own podcast, which the link will be up on our, our personal website soon here. So yeah, anything that I can do to help or support people, I'd love to, love to get to know you.
0: Cool. And what is the name of your podcast?
1: It's called Tandem Talks.
0: Nice. Very cool. Amazing, Carrie. Well, listen, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for joining us on this podcast. And I look forward to connecting on LinkedIn.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thank you.